For what do I have if I don't have you, Jesus? What in this life could mean anymore? You are my rock. You are my glory. Hello and welcome to The Rock Podcast. In today's study, we begin taking a look at the individual proverbs that are arranged somewhat randomly in Solomon's collection of wise sayings. It might be helpful to have an NIV 84 Bible open to Proverbs chapter 10 as you listen along. Now, let's join Pastor Ross with a message entitled, Bring Joy. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for just quieting our hearts and focusing our spirit on the Word of God. We thank you, Father, for this word that transforms us and washes over us, renews our minds, and uh, softens us and our will to do your good will, Lord. And we thank you so much for your presence here. We could do nothing without Jesus. We just ask that you would help us now uh, for your glory and your namesake. Amen. So if you're a regular on Wednesday nights, you know we've been uh, plodding through Proverbs. Uh, we've made it to the middle section. Chapter 10 uh, begins the official Proverbs proper, uh, those little sound bites of truth that uh, help us to be, as the meaning of Proverbs is, is to live a skilled life, a skillful in relationships, with finances, uh, with our walk before God, uh, that, that we would become successful and effective and productive for the Lord Jesus Christ. And the heart of the book of Proverbs, as we've been saying, is, is that it would go well with us. You know, a father writing to his son and God the Father really writing to his children through that, uh, that it might go well with us, not trying to uh, restrict us or to keep us from some kind of pleasurable experience, uh, but to save us from destroying ourselves. Uh, even with the Holy Spirit, this is a hard thing to do, is not do the dumb thing, uh, but to do the wise thing. And so we're grateful for the book of Proverbs. So now, where we have come to now, as I've been mentioning, and chapter 10 begins this buckshot approach to uh, literally hundreds of Proverbs, and they seem to be randomly placed. Some of them are connected, but most of them uh, just have a little sound bite to offer of wisdom uh, that describes wise behavior or describes or reveals what stupid behavior is and the painful consequences when we do dumb things. All, all as I've been saying, to motivate us for right living, to have uh, faith in the Lord, to not uh, commit uh, adultery, not to be uh, uh, lured away by greed and uh, uh, all kinds of vices in this world, but to walk with the Lord on the straight and narrow path. Now, uh, chapters one through nine finished, just really preparing our hearts for now these little uh, proverbs of wisdom. And uh, the question has been, as I shared with you last week, how should we proceed uh, with these hundreds of different proverbs? Should we gather them all together and teach topically like I did last week. So I gathered a whole bunch of Proverbs that have to do with the tongue and wisdom in our speaking. And so I developed kind of a topical message gathering from the main body of Proverbs everything that had to do with our tongues. Um, 
I started to think, you know, what would it be like if we just tried to go through the book of Proverbs, uh, proverb by proverb, and just make a little application? And uh, because I started to feel like we're going to miss some of the most favorite proverbs of all because they don't maybe fall in a category of a topic that we would address. Uh, and, And so... I thought, well, why don't we take a shot at that? We'll take a shot at going through, starting at chapter 10. Uh, There are 32 verses, and we'll just read through like you would uh, for your morning devotions, and I'll make a few comments along the way, and we'll see what we take away from that. All in favor, say aye. (laughs) Yeah, you're kind of forced into that, right? I'm not going to ask the second question. <laughs> and, and so why don't you grab, a, uh, you know, grab your pen, man, because uh, there will be little uh, one-liners that you're going to want to uh, note that God particularly speaks to your heart and life. And so uh, here we go. We're going to start with verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son grief to his mother. So we're going to begin this section with another reminder of who, uh, who the wisdom came through. Of course, it's the Holy Spirit through uh, the pen of King uh, Solomon. And so King Solomon is uh, uh, credited uh, with this and many other Proverbs and a couple of the Psalms as well. He is the son of David and Bathsheba. So he's the second son. He is the son of God's redeeming grace, that God could take the worst thing that's ever happened and make it into something uh, beautiful and wise, King Solomon. And so King Solomon asked uh, for wisdom. God asked him in a dream, what, do you, what, what would you ask of me? And he said, as most of you know, he said, I'd like wisdom. And God said, uh, you know, I love that. He says, I'll give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. And James just says, if you need wisdom, ask. Ask for wisdom. So smart people, ask and it shall be given them. And others don't have because they don't ask. And so uh, once again, we know this is coming through the pen of King Solomon. And so he's going to start here. He's going to start with an observation to help clarify who is wise and who is a fool. And so he starts with a wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son grief to his mother. So the difference between a wise uh, person and a fool is the impact they have on other people. One is an impact of pain and sorrow, and the wise person is an influence and impact of joy. So... Uh, so a question is, if, if he's calling for somebody to ask themselves, uh, am I wise or am I foolish? Well, how, did it, how does it make your wise father feel, uh, your choices in life? And what kind of emotions uh, does your behavior evoke from your uh, God-fearing mother? Now, uh, the Proverbs is, are always going to presume that mother and father are godly and wise and believers Uh, Because if the parents uh, were fools, they would rejoice in their son's bad behavior. Uh, If they were foolish unbelievers, they would be saddened by right behavior. Because when a person comes to Christ, as often is the case, the parents have a tirade. Unbelieving parents 
when they find out somebody's accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. And Rehoboam is, is kind of an empty-headed son who brings uh, grief to his mother. And so really the sum up here is why not uh, be motivated to live wisely, um, to bring joy to the hearts of those who gave you life? Is your mother crying herself to sleep because of some of your choices? That's a bad sign. That's a bad sign. So uh, the wise care about how their choices affect others. Okay, verse two. Ill-gotten treasure are of no, uh, treasures are of no value, but righteousness delivers from death. And so here, an effort to correct faulty perspective. So out in the world, the, the big fantasy, the cure for all of my problems and, and the meaning of life is to be uh, wealthy and to have uh, riches or win the lottery. Uh, all my problems will be solved. And um, therefore, in the world, whatever it takes to get that wealth and solve all your problems and live securely and have everything you want and need in, in the world's estimation uh, means that you will do whatever it takes to get that. So that means lying, uh, cheating, stealing, or killing for this. And so here is a shift of focus of what's truly valuable. What should you be going after? Money and wealth uh, for unbelievers ultimately has no value because it cannot save your soul. So the Bible's take on money is, is that, yeah, it's useful. We need it and we use it. Uh, but it, spiritually speaking, and in what really counts, it cannot deliver your soul from the second death. Jesus himself said, what does it profit a guy who gains the whole world and then forfeits his soul in hell? What wouldn't a man pay to get out of eternal death? You know, so the Powerball thing was $1.6 billion. And somebody in Chino Hills just went forward, waited six months. They sound like a Christian. I don't know. They, they want to steward the resources in a worthy manner. I thought that was interesting uh, language. But they got $327 million. And, that, and the Bible says it is worthless to get you into heaven, to spare your soul from death to wipe away your sins. It can't solve your greatest. It can't even fill your heart with joy. It can make life easier for a while. And then eternity starts. And so, we, we, so the wise know what's really valuable. Take away, right? Verse three. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. And so here is a contrast of how God deals differently with the righteous. And when we, whenever we say righteous, from now on, I want you to think right with God. That's what it means, by faith. That, so the right behavior that springs from a heart that's been put right with God and the rightness that comes from the Holy Spirit within, okay? So uh, God treats us differently than people in the world. He satisfies our desires. So this is the kind of hunger that Jesus speaks of when he says, I'm the bread of life. If, if you eat of me, you will live forever and you will never hunger or never thirst. A fourth century man of God, Augustine said, our hearts are restless, O God, until they find their rest in thee. Of course, the Lord does not let the righteous go hungry. It's a, it, it's, of course, it's greater than just physical hunger. 
but he is the God who created us. And so how can we ever have satisfaction in our heart if we're not in line and in tune with the one who made us, the source of life? And of course, there's frustration and opposition and emptiness for those who reject the source of life. And that's what that proverb is all about. The take away the wisdom have the wisdom to find satisfaction in God. Verses four and five are together. Lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers crops in summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. Now, if God has a pet peeve, if he has a, a, a favorite sin he most hates, it would be laziness. I've mentioned this before. He just is ruthless on, on lazy bones, you know? He just, he just, he spares, uh, he, he does not hold back the punches there at all. And so um, it's a very popular theme here. Lazy people will be in need, this point. Uh, diligent, hard workers uh, benefit financially. The, the Proverbs are general, generally speaking. There's always exceptions. There's always Ecclesiastes to cover the, and, and Psalm 73, uh, hello, why are all the believers suffering and poor and persecuted and all the unbelievers who curse God are prospering? There's always that. But generally speaking, uh, lazy people will be in need and diligent, hardworking people will benefit financially. So when it's time to work in verse five, the wise son grabs the tool uh, and, and the foolish son grabs a nap, all right? And so one brings gain and the other brings shame. Okay, so uh, you, you know what? Why is, so the takeaway, wise people know the value of hard work. And hard work, if it doesn't come natural, and it mostly does not, um, we need to nurture those things. Everything that we're supposed to be character-wise, we're supposed to be nurturing. The Lord deposits the seeds of those character qualities in our hearts at conversion, and we're supposed to cooperate and work out our salvation and exercise our faith. Some people are so lazy, they won't even exercise faith. You see, that was... Well, yeah, let me say, they're so lazy, they won't exercise their faith. Get it? <laughs> Exercise lazy faith. Moving on. <clears throat> Verse six. Blessings crown the head of the righteous, but violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. Now, when you read some of them, that they're like, okay, I get the A, but I don't get the B. How are the A and the B connected? This is one of them for me. I just wrote down unbalanced. It just, okay, you know. So uh, it speaks of reward of faith and, and one of the character flaws of the faithless. So God's favor rests on believers. That's the, the imagery there. While unbelieving evildoers are busy spewing forth harmful words. And that's what harmful or death is in that word uh, violence. What's the logical connection between A and B? Well, one reason the wicked forfeit uh, the blessing of God uh, is the evil intentions, which is evidenced by what's coming out of their mouth. All right, so uh, verse seven. The memory of the righteous will be a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. Yeah, that's it. Everybody, go ahead, go, hmm, I uh, know. Now, who wants their memory to rot, right? Nobody. So uh, legacy 
this, this is a proverb that speaks about the legacy that all of us uh, will leave, uh, that, that your name lives on for at least a generation or two, uh, you know. Um, in, in our wake, there's a fragrance, right? And so uh, believers leave a sweet, are supposed to leave a sweet fragrance, all right? I said, do you catch that supposed to be, right? Uh, encouraging, heartwarming, uh, comforting. When somebody, a godly person who's all about love uh, dies and they, they impacted your life, when you think of them, you just smile, you feel encouraged, you want to even uh, go the distance with the Lord because of their example. So even in their death, even in their death, they're encouraging you. They live on. It's a blessing, right? It's a strengthening. And then, and then the word rot there means that when you think of somebody who is passed, that was a lot of trouble. Uh, there's a, 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 the word means stink, okay? It's a, it's a foul uh, fragrance and not one that is very helpful. In fact, even when people who are self-centered and troublemakers and sinful people die, their memory still causes pain and suffering, still. And I, I just know from counseling people for three decades, they'll start talking about somebody's already dead. I'm like, they're dead, they're gone. Yeah, but they're still crying. Why? Because the memory, the memory is still there causing pain and not bringing a very pleasant uh, fragrance with it. I just, whenever I read these things, it's like, God, help me. Help me to live now. We are making uh, the, the fragrances are being prepared tonight. That's what we're doing, but we forget that. We always uh, think that it's somewhere way far away. So the wise continue to encourage and bless even after they've departed this life. Verse eight, the wise in heart accept commands, but a chattering fool comes to ruin. <laughs> I know. They're really good. They're really good, these Proverbs. Okay, so uh, what stops the fool from being wise is the answer to uh, here. This proverb answers that. Um, uh, he's talking, he's too busy talking. He's too full of himself. He's airing his own opinions all the time, letting everyone know how smart he is instead of accepting God's commands and restraining his words. So the person who doesn't accept God's commands is too busy talking and filled of self and always saying, yeah, I know that. I know that. You know, I got that, you know. And, and that's really the essence there. Verse 9. The man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. So here's the, an observation, the difference between those who live openly and honestly before God, not perfect, but blameless. There's a difference. And those who live deceptively, double lives, duplicitous, duplicitous all right? Two-faced, kind of two lives, all right? What's the difference? Well, the man of integrity has a clean conscience, Right? He, he's not afraid of you finding a cell phone and getting into it. He's not afraid of his wife finding it. He's not afraid of you doing a sudden history on the computer. He's just not afraid. He, he, he walks securely. He has confidence. He's just not afraid of being found out. He's not afraid of a tax letter that says, hey, there's an audit. You know, he's not afraid of that. He walks securely because he's open and honest and blameless and above reproach. That's how the wise live. But the fool, 
uh, he who takes crooked paths, the unbelieving fool, will be found out. And there's no security there because they're always thinking they're going to be found out. And guess what? They are. <laughs> All right, I heard some, someone over there. Uh, thank you, that one person. I appreciate you. <laughs> the sins of some men are obvious, Paul tells Timothy, going ahead of them to judgment. Like it's a no-brainer. You see them sinning and it's like, wow, what a sinner. But uh, the others, the sins of others do not surface until later. They lag behind. So they're bitter. There are some people who are really good at sinning uh, deceptively and covering their tracks. Uh, But here it says, uh, your sins will find you out, as it says in Numbers 32 and verse 23. Um, And so, uh, yeah, uh, the man who lives a double life is always anxious for a good reason because his evil behavior cannot be hidden forever. They will be found out. Uh, Verse 10, he who winks maliciously causes grief and a chattering fool comes to ruin. Now, you've seen chattering fool before, right? Yeah. There's a couple things the Lord seems to just kind of zero in on, and one of them is a chattering fool. Now, the... Uh, Here we have some character traits of fools here in verse 10. Um, Now, this is the same dude, uh, he who winks maliciously, causing grief, and he's also a chattering fool. He's going to come to ruin. Um, Here's this guy. He's always up to no good. The winking with the eye just means he's always looking for uh, mischief or trouble. Hey, you know, know, I'm going to pull a quick one here, you know. Always always mischievous and up to no good, you know, and... um, uh, can't stop uh, spewing out the garbage and the, the nonsense. So, in other words, the way you can tell a fool is easy because they're constantly spewing nonsense. And so when you hear a chattering fool, it's another way of just saying a fool because they're giving evidence to their foolishness by their nonsense that they're constantly spewing out. Uh, verse 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. Just really interesting phrasing there. And so uh, people who are right with God, their words are associated always in the Proverbs with life. Just encouraging. Uh, even in a rebuke, a rebuke can be life-giving. Uh, so, so to encourage always doesn't always mean uh, sugar-coated stuff. It means the hard truth as well. But, you know, the words of the righteous are truth. Uh, we share the gospel. We, 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 we love on people. Uh, we, we bring hope and all of this with our words, and that brings life. The wicked, wicked and unbelievers, they just, it's a flood of death. And that word violence is really, it just also means death. It's just as you downward spiral, cynical, sarcastic, profane, these kinds of blasphemous things that come out of somebody's mouth, uh, cursing and all of that, uh, that is, it overwhelms them. It's just constantly flowing because the heart is not right. Verse 12. Hatred stirs up dissension, but love covers over all Wrong. So the contrast between love and hate here. So hate always will lead to dividing people and separating people, estrangement. And the New Testament tells us, listen, get rid of hate. 
just get rid of it. Hate is in all human beings, and you need to get rid of it. That's the answer to hate. Uh, because what it'll do is divide people. It'll always divide. Whereas love, on the other hand, well, uh, overcomes even, uh, even uh, these kinds of things, even, even all wrongs, okay? Love covers over all wrongs. Now, don't misunderstand. It is not covering over in the sense of turning a blind eye to something immoral or false. It is. It, it means to cover over, to get over, to go forward. In other words, to it's love is able wanting to build a bridge forward. It doesn't want to. Um, it, it doesn't want to. Uh, Divide it wants to connect, it wants to overcome, it wants to prevail. So it wants to let go of the past. The things that lie behind to let go. Hate keeps bringing that kind of stuff up. Love says, okay, let's go forward. Let's go forward. So hate divides and keeps pushing people apart. Love brings and heals together and uh, keeps trying to uh, unite. It's the sense of always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Okay, verse 13. Wisdom is found on the lips of the discerning, but a rod is for the back of him who lacks judgment. So here we reveal the source of most of our troubles, our own dumb behavior. Um, it's not wise people, the proverb is saying, who's all, uh, wise people are always speaking what's right, what's fitting, what's appropriate. Uh, they're not doing dumb things, right? It's the fool and the unbeliever and the rejecter of Christ who is inviting a correction, discipline, or a beating uh, because of their bad behavior. Verse 14. Wise men store up knowledge, but a mouth of a fool invites ruin. Now, uh, this one's about why fools never seem to learn. Uh, because knowledge is cumulative. And the wise person is learning and putting benchmarks. So when you were a young Christian, you found out, if I do A, B, and C, I, I will suffer consequences. So you've learned. You put a marker there, and you've moved on, right? Uh, well, you were panicked also about finances. And God, when you were a baby Christian... You were like, oh, no, i got to pay this big, big bill, and, and where is God? And God always came through for you. You put another benchmark down there, okay? So wise people and Christians who are mature build and connect dots and, and make little memorials like they did in the Old Testament, like build some rocks, and we'll, we'll, we'll remember that God was faithful to deliver us here, and every time we pass this place, we'll go, aha, for the next battle, I'll look back here, and I'm building this, this, this storage room of knowledge. But the, 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 the fools, they have no such thing. It's always going back to square one. You always, every single time you have a financial challenge or a, a marital failure or an offense, I should say, you always have to go back to the beginning and start all over again because there's no, in a foolish person, there's no stacking up the lessons and storing it up. Everything just goes out the window and it's like, Nothing ever happened. So when you're in financial need, after 20 years of God bailing you out, you still fall to pieces and still, you know, 
because that's foolish instead of grasping on to uh, the knowledge. So the wise have good memories is the takeaway. Verse 15. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city, but poverty is the ruin of the poor. So here, again, wealth is a blessing of the Lord. Um, Now a contrast between wealth and poverty. So he's saying, listen, if you are wise, you're diligent and hardworking, you'll have means uh, to keep your problems at bay. And so to have financial means is to, for example, uh, it's like a fortified city. So if the pipe, a pipe bursts, you can call a plumber. If your kids need shoes, you can uh, go out and buy the shoes. It, it's wealth, hard work, faithfulness, God's favor that creates us to be able to have uh, any resources is like that. And those who are poor, they don't have that wall, but they do have the Lord and they do uh, have hope in the Lord. And, and by the way, the wealth of the rich isn't always as reliable, and we learn that in other Proverbs. Verse 16, the wages of the righteous bring them life, uh, but the income of the wicked uh, brings them punishment. So here a contrast between payday uh, for those who are right with God and those who are not. So he's saying money in the hand of a believer is, is a plus, because uh, supposedly uh, they are going to be helpful, they are going to be responsible, they're not going to overspend, uh, they're going to use it for the gospel, right? So money in the, in the hand of the wise is, is why God sometimes puts it there, uh, because it's a plus. Money in the hand of the wicked is a negative because there's self-indulgence and there's debt and there's uh, troublemaking. You put, you give a believer a hundred bucks, uh, or, or you give a thug a hundred bucks. That's what they're saying. That's what the Bible's saying. It's like one is a good thing, one is a bad thing. It just doesn't matter how much money the thug gets. It's just a bad thing. Verse 17 says, "He who heeds discipline shows the way to life, but whoever ignores correction leads others." astray. This is a great one. Another reminder, it's not just about you and it's not just about me. Our choices make differences. So no matter who we are, we are influencing other people. So a wise person who heeds discipline and correction is is becoming light to other people, right? Uh, But the foolish person who ignores God and correction adds this to their account of sins before God that they led others astray. So when you're blowing it, it's it's bad for you and it's bad for people who are watching you because they're emboldened to follow you off the same cliff and you will pay for that, says the Bible. So verse 18, he who conceals his hatred has lying lips and whoever spreads slander is a fool. So here's a word about a description of a deceptive person. This is the person who dislikes someone but hides it and acts like they like them. So meanwhile, although they won't uh, talk and deal honestly with the person uh, that they resent, they will say negative things about them to other people. He said, fools do that. Just straighten it out, honestly. Avoid the person. 
You know, straightening out what the problem is. Fix, mend the, the relationship. But don't pretend like you like them and then go around talking smack about them because uh, only fools do that. Uh, verse 19. When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. And so wisdom in our words, um, use words with great caution and restraint, says wisdom. Now, the fewer the words, uh, the better. Uh, Fewer the words, uh, better than many. Because when there are a lot of words, when you talk a lot, uh, you're going to get into some trouble. We should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to anger. You know, James said, hey, if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. And one other motivation is Jesus said, everyone will answer for every careless and idle word. So stop and think before you speak. Verse 20, The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. So here, again, we're going to compare the value of the speech, words that come out of the the lips of the wise or fools. So the tongue, the tongue that praises God, that binds up the brokenhearted, that comforts uh, the hurting, that forgives, that's merciful, that prays, that shares the gospel is, is valuable, like choice silver, right? But the heart, which is pretty much more a vital organ than the tongue, he said the heart of someone who doesn't know the Lord and, 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 and prompts the tongue with, with terrible things and worthless things, the heart itself is worthless and has no value because it doesn't have the life of God. Verse 21, the lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for lack of judgment. Or uh, lack of heart, really, is the original in the Hebrew. And, and so, again, a contrast between wise, uh, wise in life and foolishness and death. And just an observation here, uh, wise believers uh, encourage one another. That's what we do. That's what God admires. That's what God wants us to be like. But fools can't do that. They can't encourage or nourish other people because they can't even sustain or nourish themselves. That's what it's saying. It's not in their heart. Verse 22, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth and he adds no trouble to it. So walking with God has some benefits. And now all things being equal... As I've said, in general concept here, hard work, wise living, obeying God, uh, doing the right thing leads to success. That's his word. And, and you know what? Wealth can be income here, and it can also be the wealth of eternal life, the love of God, sweet contentment, a, a peace that passes understanding, getting along with people, there are so many gifts and, and, and there's such wealth in, in a Christian's life that doesn't have a lot of outward uh, riches to it. But, but when we uh, yield our lives to God and walk with him, there are great benefits and that's the meaning of it. And uh, a lot of people will have wealth in this life, but it's, it's a curse rather than a blessing because they don't have the Lord Jesus in the mix. And so... Uh, 
Verse 23, a fool finds pleasure in evil conduct, but a man of understanding delights in wisdom. So here are contrasts of what brings pleasure to a fool and what brings pleasure to a wise person. So, uh, so sad and twisted is the reality that we enjoy doing the wrong thing. And that is so true because we would not do the wrong thing if, it were, if we did it, find it somewhat thrilling. And so that just speaks volumes about the depravity of the human heart and what we're up against to get the Holy Spirit uh, to be in line, I should say, with the Holy Spirit is trying to work those things uh, out of us. And so... Um, the fool gets a thrill of breaking commands. Uh, the word there for pleasure is laughing and joy. They think it's a joke. You see this all around. Um, but the believer gets pleasure from doing the right thing. You know, I wrote down here, there's way more joy about having said no to sin than yes to sin. There is greater joy. There is greater joy knowing that when you pass a temptation, that could have destroyed you. There is so much joy and peace and confidence. It's way better than having done the sin. And so this is the idea here, is to find pleasure, not in lusting and fantasizing and, 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 and doing whatever it is that is in a dark way brings some sort of pleasure to you. Instead, you should find your pleasure in the word of God and doing the right things. Delight yourself in, in, in the Lord kind of thing. So verse 24, yeah. What the wicked dreads will overtake him. What the righteous desire will be granted. So here, more motivation to embrace wisdom and to avoid foolishness. Now, everyone has fears and everybody has desires. So simply put, the wicked will get what they fear and not what they desire. And the, those who are right with God will not get what they fear, but they will get what they desire. So uh, the wicked will get what they fear. What will they fear? The, what will they get? They're get, getting caught, being shamed, having to pay back, uh, being accountable, being found out. That's what they'll get. They'll get what they're feared. They're not going to get what they're hoping to uh, with the, the sin. And, and the thing that we're going to get is the Lord and eternal life. We are going to get what we desire. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what every Christian desires. That's what you're going to get if you keep on this path. Delight yourself in, in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So verse 25, when the storm has swept by, the wicked are gone, but the righteous stand firm forever. So right away, you know that we're talking figuratively because storms are not selective in whose house they destroy. The meaning of this is really very much like Jesus talked about, is that your life, spiritually speaking, can be disaster proof if you uh, put into practice and keep the commands of the, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, let's just read what Jesus said, kind of in keeping with this proverb. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, that's the key. You can hear them, know them, memorize them, sing them, tell others about them, 
but not put them into practice and deceive yourself. You gotta be a doer too. Puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, this here's the storms, the streams rose, and they're actual streams, and the winds blew and beat against that house. There's all kinds of things. There's, there's temptations and financial disasters and, and, and relationship uh, things. Yet it doesn't fall because it has its foundation on the rock. But everyone who see, hears, they both hear. They both know. But only one puts him into practice. This one doesn't. He's like the foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain comes, the stream rise, rises up, the winds blow and beat against the house, and it falls with a great uh, crash. Just uh, unbelievable disaster in store for those who um, don't put into practice these wise words. Verse 26. As vinegar to the teeth, and smoke to the eyes, so is a sluggard to those who send him. Now, this is a fun one, right? <laughs> Here's an embarrassing description of the lazy person that their reputation, uh, outing their reputation, and trying to, uh, hoping that a lazy person is hearing this and see how other people view them to sh- kind of shame them into, you know, better behavior. Now, you know, smoke in the eyes. Anybody who's lived long on the planet has got smoke at a campfire in your eyes. It's not pleasant, right? It's irritating and painful. Vinegar to the teeth, well, you know, it's kind of, the idea there is yucky and unpleasant. Sour taste kind of sets your teeth on edge. You're just, you know, that's the idea there because you're depending on, you employ you employ them, you're paying them. Or, 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 or you're not employing them. You just really need somebody to, to, to follow through and do something that's really important and they don't care about it like you care. They're careless. They don't have the passion for it. And it's important. Oh, it, it just, that, it's just, you know, rather, only a fool doesn't mind being compared uh, to, to having smoke in your eyes, right? So, so the idea be, behind this one, the takeaway is no one likes lazy. No one likes lazy. No one invites lazy to the party. Uh, you know, well, let me see. <laughs> Rather to be, listen, I, I looked at that and I said, I, instead of that, you know what I want to be? I want to be a cup of cold water to someone who's thirsty. I want to be a cool breeze when it's hot outside. I want to be a warm blanket when somebody's cold. That's, that's how the wise should be. But the fools are just everything except that. I mean, but that. They do. They're the ones who take away the blanket on a cold day. And they're the ones who spill the water right before you're supposed to drink it, you know? And so, yeah, don't, don't be like that. Verse 27, the fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. So, Generally speaking, and that is over and over again in the commentaries, these are general principles. They're not formula. Generally speaking, all things being equal, walking with God 
really kind of precludes risky behaviors. In other words, when someone has a fear of God and reverencing God, they're not going to drive drunk. You know what? Because they're not going to be drunk. So they're not going to go ahead and put their lives and others at risk. Uh, Like my 17-year-old friend back in the day, back in high school, dead, dead, just because it's full. Got drunk and got into a car, and I had a life he didn't. Why? The fear of the Lord added life to my, uh, to my life. I should have been dead too. And so should half of this congregation, probably. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> when you have the fear of the Lord, you're not, you know, you're not usually involved in an armed robbery. You're just not, you know, <laughs> where you get shot. You know, uh, you don't overdose on heroin. You know, whoops, I just took too much this time. Why? Because you have fear of the Lord. So it's adding length to your life because it's not putting you, well, your, your foolish behavior isn't putting you in harm's way with drugs and alcohol and STDs that can kill you. If you fear the Lord, you're not, you're, you're living modestly with the one that you're dating. You're, you're courting them with integrity and purity above reproach, let alone committing fornication, all kinds of things that could kill you. And and the rest of them are not curable. And so on your honeymoon, you have to say, oh, did I, did I tell you? Oh, did, did I leave out? You know, oh, whoops, I forgot to mention. You know, why? Yeah, when you fear the Lord, you're not in brawls and fights and troubles or having an affair and getting caught with the husband with a gun. You know, you just, you just <laughs> the fear of the Lord adds length to your life because you don't do stupid things that'll get you killed. Thank you. Now, wise behavior promotes life, but foolish behavior flirts with death. Verse 28. The prospect of the righteous is joy, but the hopes of the wicked come to nothing. So the, the righteous and the wicked, again, are different outlooks on life. With God, there's always a reason to hope. With God, there's always hope. Without God, there is no reason for hope, period. Verse 29, the way of the Lord is a refuge for the righteous, but it is the ruin of those who do evil. So here's just pointing out a a clever little paradox. Uh, Our refuge is their ruination. So uh, I've mentioned this before. You know, the police come on the scene, the big crime going down. Uh, The big difference is how the cop responds, right, to the victim and how the victim responds to the cop and to the perpetrator. Same cop that's bringing the victim joy. Oh, a policeman, men in blue. Blue lives matter. (laughs) Amen. And not the same response by the perpetrator. And so when the Lord Jesus appears, our hearts will be like, oh, and we will marvel and they will cower. We will rise up and not shrink back, and they will shrink back and not rise up. He's saying, which destiny do you want? Which outlook is yours? Come on. Verse 30, 
The righteous will never be uprooted, but the wicked will not remain in the land. This is a familiar refrain. And so as you see, you sort of get repetitive themes to just kind of uh, layer that truth in your, your heart and life. Again, here, a view toward uh, the future. How we live will determine our destiny. So he's saying, listen, God wins. It's a shared victory. Uh, his people prevail. He shares that victory. He says the gates of hell is not going to uh, prevail and the wicked will be removed. Terrible verse. Revelation chapter 20. Terrible in awe. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. They won't remain in the land. There's no place for them. They, 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 they get plucked out of life. Uh, when they stand before the great white throne, in judgment, the books are open, and that judgment ends terribly in, the, in what is called the second death, right? But the words, and there was no place for them. Oh, that's terrible. The righteous, those who put right with God, will never be uprooted. We have a sure and strong foundation. Uh, we always will exist, and we have a place. There's a place for us. I go to prepare a place for you. There's a name tag. There's just your place there, right? But there's no place for somebody who doesn't have the author of life and is rejecting truth and, and, and the source of love. Uh, verse 31 I think verse 31 and 32 are together. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but a perverse tongue will be cut out. The lips of the righteous know what is fitting, but the mouth of the wicked only what is perverse. So the last two verses of the chapter kind of go together, and it's back to the overflow of the heart, which is a huge theme in the book of Proverbs about speech that gives us a way. You know, you can say what you want. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. Right, but your words give you away. Your words give you away, and so the 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 words of somebody who is wise, who walks with God, those words um, of the righteous and wise and believing, they promote life and they avoid death. Or uh, the unrighteous and unwise and unbelieving uh, say things that are crooked. Verse thirty-one, crooked. Words, crooked mouths, and crooked lives. Now, the word cut out the tongue really means to be cut off. That that, that that kind of life, that wickedness that's flowing from that heart, well, that kind of thing will cease. That's the idea there. It's, a, it's, it's, it's kind of a um, uh, hyperbole, uh, an exaggeration, a dramatic effect. Listen, it's like taking the tongue and going... You know, he's saying those words will be cut short. They will not, you know, I long for the day when I don't have to hear blasphemous untruths. I, my, my soul, like Lot's and yours, living in Sodom, it said Lot's soul was vexed. Vexed just means to be troubled and grieved. And, and, and just when I hear these terrible things that are happening and, and people just mouthing off and saying things that are not true. It says, the, the Bible says, those words are going to cease someday and they will never be heard again. They will never 
Oh, Revelation 18 and 19, when Armageddon's coming down and the King of Kings is appearing and there's great rejoicing, the mountains are gone. There's no more mountains on the face of the earth. And, and the sea is just uh, dead and there's hardly any life left. And the angels are rejoicing and singing the song about fallen, fallen, wicked Babylon, never to rise again. We'll never hear those filthy songs. We'll never hear those blasphemous words. We'll never hear those lies and untruths. Oh, and over and over, while the world's being destroyed, the angels are singing and singing never again because the mouth of the wicked only perverse and those words will be stopped. So that brings us to the end of the chapter. Here's what I just took four of them and what I came away with and and kind of a prayer. So my four that I, I got was number one, fools cause hurt and pain, wise people bring joy. And I just have written down here, Lord Jesus, help me to be wise and bring joy to people, not pain, and not pain to you. The second thing I wrote down is, uh, fools chatter away without restraint. They never learn, but wise people use words with care and restraint and are always learning. So I just have down here, Jesus, help me to, to learn the lessons to store up the knowledge of my experience with you and not throw it all out the window. We have to start all over again, go back to A now. Thirdly, fools are destined to fail, but God sets wise people up to succeed. And I'm just so thankful for the confidence I can have and you can have about worries about the church or worries about your, your, your family, worries about my children, now my grandchildren. I don't have to worry about that because... You know, God sets wise people up uh, for success. And lastly, I wrote down for me out of the whole chapter, fools are, are living with grave risk, but the wise are safe and secure. So I always want to be a person who uses wisdom in my daily choices so that I can enjoy security and protection instead of putting myself at risk. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your great love, and we ask now that you would seal these truths in our hearts and help us, Lord. There are a lot of things to think about, but surely a few of them stuck with us and help us to treasure them up and store them up in our hearts and learn. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Closing song. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvertherock.org.